0: Uh, the band, It was March 2002, and uh, Billy Graham reaches out to the, uh, the band U2 and says, hey, I want to bless you, right? And, and so the band was, I don't know, maybe skeptical a little bit, but Bono really wanted this experience, right? And so he makes it happen. Drops into the airport, gets picked up by Franklin Graham. To quote Bono, he says, his son Franklin picked me up at the airport. Franklin was doing very effective work with Samaritan's Purse, but he wasn't sure about his cargo, on the way to meet his father, he kept on asking me questions. Franklin to Bono. You, you, you really love the Lord? Bono. Yep. Franklin. Okay, you, you do? Are you saved? Bono. Yep, and saving. <laughs> Franklin doesn't laugh. No laugh. Ask the question, have you given your life? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Bono. Oh, I know Jesus Christ, and I try not to use him just as my personal Savior. But, but you know, yes. Franklin, why aren't your songs um, Christian songs? Bono, they are, exclamation. Franklin, well, some of them are. Bono, what do you mean? Franklin, well, why don't, they, why don't we know they're Christian songs? Bono, I said, they're all coming from a place, Franklin. Look around you. Look at the creation, look at the trees, look at the sky, look at these kinds of verdant hills. They don't have a sign up that says, praise the Lord, or I belong to Jesus. They just give glory to Jesus. A pervasive sense of joy, the work of God. We've already read it, listen to it again. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The work of God. God listens. God is strength. God is shield. God as worthy of trust. God is helper. At the core of our study of joy is the work of God. You might be thinking, well, that is a very obvious place to begin. At the core of a study about anything, we begin with the work of God. And if you make that observation, I give you just huge props and I applaud your ability, right? In fact, if I can get you to that point, I'm a very happy human being. Maybe even full of joy. I would agree, God is, and everything flows from that. Without God, we would have nothing, right? We agree with that? And if we don't agree with that, then we probably need to have a conversation about whether or not God exists, and and I'm more than willing to have that conversation, love to have that conversation. But for most folks, the existence of God is something that they can say, yeah, God exists, which means we can have an understanding of what we know about God, right? There's this sort of general information, you know, uh, that God gives humans. And, you know, we can look around and just see we can have our own experiences. And then there's specific information, right? We can read the Bible. And I might even argue looking at similarities of faith traditions. So that gets me to the point that, that all things, right, are an outcome of the work of God, even in the face of bad things. Okay, listen carefully, please. I want to be understood on this. Bad things are a result of Adam and Eve eating some illegal papaya, which is the result of God giving humans the ability to accept or reject God, right? Which is different than saying God causes evil to happen. Please, that distinction is absolutely critical to understand. But evil is an outcome of a choice that God gives human beings. Fair enough? So, all things are a result of the work of God. So, that's when I, uh, or why I kind of rail against or have fun with the guy who says, Well, I'm a self made man. (laughs) No, 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 you're not. You're really not. You're not. And I can say it with a smile on my face, or if you want, I can jump up on this thing and yell at you, but you're not. You're not. You're not self-made. You are the result of God's activity, God's work. And if we somehow think that we are self-made, we need to sit down, embrace a little modesty. Unless, of course, okay, if you were present at the creation of the world or at your own creation, then you could make the argument that you're self-made. But you weren't. I wasn't. Either one. And if I have to explain that, then I'm not sure it's worth the time. At any rate, okay? Pass the snark. Pass the fun. Any discussion about joy is rooted in the work of God. And we might ask, what has God done? Well, let's start with creation. Let, let's start earlier than that. Let's go back before creation when all that we have is God. We have relationships, right? The Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father, the second person of the Trinity, the Spirit. The Father, the Word, the Spirit, right? Loving each other. So we have relationships, we have love, we have wisdom. And then at creation, we have life and light and all of the things and I say this and go through these pains because some people actually think that joy is rooted in the work of their hands. Some of us think that, that we can produce our own joy, might be able to produce happiness, but I would contend from a biblical perspective we can't produce our own joy and this can be a sobering reality and also a great comfort if we can acknowledge that joy is a gift from god that is rooted in the work of god then i think it's something that a we can ask for something that we can pursue Sometimes we get it for no good reason, right? This last Wednesday night, Eric had this just intriguing, super intriguing point about how the reality of Jesus Christ working in the life of a paralytic, even though the paralytic didn't ask for anything, that Jesus like, no, I'll not only heal you, I'll forgive your sins, I'll take care of you. And there's no record of the paralytic saying, hey, I want this. It's just Jesus acting affirmatively, Joy, a gift from God, something that we can ask God for, sometimes something that we get without even asking. The the work of God is many things, right? We could create a long list, but initially and consistently, it is about life and redemption and restoration, The the, the arc of the Bible as a whole, okay, is God creating life, okay? Creation messing things up, eating the illegal papaya, right? And all that comes out of that, right? And then the work of redemption, the work of restoration. It's the arc of the Bible as a whole, and it's the arc of God's work in our life. Life, we are created. The need for redemption... The need for restoration. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give thanks to him. The psalmist is looking forward to Luke chapter 2. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The word we translate joy is the Greek word chara, C H. Ara. If you think about the word grace, you might even know a friend whose name is Karis, Karis. It's the same word. It's a monster of a word. Again, it is this notion, right, that this is the work of God, the activity of God, the gift from God. And the gift specifically, the joy, is this thing of euangelion, okay, it's translated here, good news. And again, it's a powerhouse of a word. It's good news and all of that means, which is so distant to us, right? We've talked a little bit about this over the last couple of weeks. But again, starting with the work of God. Great news of great joy. Joy, the good news of the great work of God. A pathway for redemption. A pathway for salvation. From what do I need to be saved? As we've talked about repeatedly, it's not something external to us. I need to be saved from me. I need to be saved from my own stupidity. I need to be saved from my own sin, my personal sin. Jesus, the name, means salvation. He will save his people from their sins. This significant theme of the Bible, describing how God saves people, Now, to be sure, some people like their sin a little bit, but not really. It's mostly a love-hate relationship, right? Love in the moment and then hate afterward. I mean, think of it in the extreme. The person who is addicted and can't break free. The person who has believed themselves to be the self-made person that they are. Handcuffed their existence to wealth or the pursuit thereof only to discover that it really doesn't satisfy, and that almost always there's someone richer, and that the high has these diminishing returns. The pervasive sense of joy, the good news, the euangelion, is simply this. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you didn't have to have the weight of the world on your shoulders? Wouldn't it be nice sitting where we're at or standing where I'm at right now? The the weight that we feel of all of the responsibilities that we carry Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if that just could be lifted? And not in a sort of, you know, uh, indictment of a younger generation. A friend of mine the other day, whose nickname is Dave Hardy, told me this joke. He's like, there's this new car that's coming out. It's uh, marketed to millennials. It's called the Dodge Commitment. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. He told me that and I laughed and then I forgot it and then I had to text him later and he gave it to me again and I just laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And what's funny is that joke comes out of a generation that dodged the Vietnam War. That's what's the best. Sorry, too close. I didn't say that out loud, did I? That was just internal dialogue. But wouldn't it be nice to know that you don't have to have the weight of life on your shoulders? Not because you're running away from commitment, but because you don't have to carry the load. Wouldn't it be nice to know that there's a pathway for us, for you, for me, to live with joy? Wouldn't it be nice that we didn't have to do this on our own? The result is actually part of last week's text psalm chapter 4 verse 7 you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound i love a good feast i've had some pretty incredible meals in my life if if i can go to a restaurant and 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 just really put my hands my life, my, my palate, my belly in the hands of a professional there, I will. I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll, I'll offer to the wait staff, I'll say, okay, I, I, have, I have a question for you. If you were coming to my house to have a meal, I wouldn't ask you what you wanted. I would simply serve you. I would have a meal planned, I would have something thought out, and I would serve you that meal. The last time I did this, the wait staff's eyes just sparkled. She's like, are you talking menu surrender? And I'm like, yes, I am. She's like, how hungry are you? I'm like, I'm very hungry. And the food just kept on coming out. Everything that was her favorite dish, right? the appetizers, the mid, the end, the, the dessert, and it was just absolutely perfection, right? And the psalmist says the joy of the Lord is better than a good feast. Maybe it's the sense of what this year has been. the fact that the older I get, there becomes inside of me both a more nuanced faith, but also a simpler version of faith. I I rarely wonder why bad happens anymore. Bad happens in a world that has bad in it. It's really not terribly complex. I first embraced you two with Joshua Tree. I wish I could say earlier. I wish I could say I fell in love with Boy or Sunday, Bloody Sunday. But Joshua Tree was the first album I fell in love with. And and I've I've been frequently and delighted I've been frequently delighted and challenged by their leader Obano. Paul, I believe, is his given name. The interview with Eugene Peterson, if you haven't seen this, Google Bono and Eugene Peterson. It's, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes. Amazing. We've talked about it before here. Current issue of Christianity Today, okay? I recommended this rag before. Get it. Read it. Bono is interviewed. The title, A Defiant Joy. He's pitching a new book, okay? So Fairness and Conversation. He's selling stuff. But in the article, I'm reminded again why I like him and why I want to think about things in the similar way as he thinks about things. He remembers I had a Bible, and I remember highlighting Ephesians chapter 6. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities. Therefore, take up a full armor of God, the blessed plate of righteousness. It made a huge impression on me as an 18, 19-year-old. I thought, that's the real fight that's going on. The rest is an expression of that. And then he adds, by the way, I don't think religious people understand their own scriptures. Because they are often using their religion, certainly in Ireland, as a club to beat others down. I mean, Catholics and Protestants, okay? His parents were from different sides of the aisle. Died when he was young. It's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. So yeah, we, you two, picked a more interesting fight. We picked a fight with a much more interesting enemy than the one that's more obvious for punk rock. He quotes a, an Irish rock singer who has this line Choose your enemies carefully because they will define you. Make them something interesting because in some ways they will mind you. He has a little fun with this one mock the devil and he will flee from thee. It's this intriguing article, right? I will define myself as the radical center. And this just speaks to my soul, okay? Having your faith hijacked by politics is something we all need to be really careful of. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's like, it's like he's like mother's milk, right? I don't think we should allow ourselves into this binary view of the world being between progressive and conservative. I think that's very divisive, he says. We'll find common ground by reaching for higher ground. We need to get through it to a place of wisdom. And I predict revival, he says. In fact, he predicts that churches of various denominations could be filled instead of emptied, but it depends upon how they're used. We have to hope that people will live their faith rather than just preach it. We have to preach it. If you're a preacher, preach it. But if you can't live it, stop. Augustine's most famous prayer, Our heart is restless until it rests in you, sounds an awful lot like you two's. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The article closes. He takes a slow breath. I will tell you, deep down, there is an anchor, he says. I'm fixed to a rock, and that rock is Jesus. Oh, how he wants to be in the middle. (laughs) The quote about his enemies, wonderful and biblical, defiant joy. Joy is recognizing the work of God in our lives, in the lives of others, and joining Him in the same. And in joining the work of God, it is consistently calibrating our lives to the work of God and the joy that is experienced therein. Joy, the work of God, really invites a discussion about what is important. And we've said it a kajillion times, politics aren't important. The kingdom is important. What things of God do we want in our lives? What do we want to work for? How do we want to pursue these things? That is the challenge of joy. A few weeks ago, we did one of a number of funerals this year. My friend Dick Houston. Dick had an interesting life arc. And if you knew him at the beginning and also knew him at the end, you would see a radical transformation in how he did life. He would have described himself as the self-made man. I did it on my own but I leave you with this quote from Dick I could always create happiness but I didn't find joy until I discovered Jesus please pray with me in the quietness of the moment do business with God? Do we experience joy because we see the work of God? Or do we live a life filled with something else? My prayer for you today is that we allow this pervasive sense of joy into our lives. And we invite you to stand. Let's all respond together.